As you're turning there in your Bibles, I've got a couple just quick announcements. Uh, this is housekeeping. Next Sunday, we want to invite all of you to start entering the building through the front doors. Uh, most of you have been coming through these doors, and these doors are still going to be open. Uh, and it's, you're welcome to use them, especially if that ramp is helpful for you. Uh, but by and large, we'd like to invite you to come through the front doors. Uh, we're doing that for a number of reasons, but one of the things it's going to accomplish is this ugly wall is going to disappear, and then the coffee bar and the donuts will be in the sanctuary. And we'll have some tables and stuff set in there, and so it'll be a great place for you to visit and have your donuts, and then it's going to free up a little bit more space for us in here so we can put out some more chairs. And this will be worship only on Sunday morning. So uh, I'd appreciate if you would consider doing that. Um, also, next Sunday, we are going to start a Bible reading discussion group. For all of you who are going through the Bible reading plan, this would be a great opportunity for you to get insights from other people, have a conversation about what you've been reading. I think it would be very helpful. That's going to happen next Sunday starting at 845 in the, I don't know what we're going to call that, Sanctuary Old Chapel where we used to worship. Okay, So what, whatever title you want to give it. Okay. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, that's what we're hanging out today. Holy living. Uh, the Bible is very clear in teaching that there are basically, uh, fundamentally, two competing cultures in our world. Uh, two competing cultures. There is godly and godless. There is godly, a godly kingdom. There is a godless kingdom. And uh, God has called us as Christians to be godly. In the passage that we're going to read in a minute, uh, Peter reminds us that God says, be holy because I am holy. Uh, godly means like God. Godly means that we bear the image of God. We reflect his goodness and his glory. And so we're called to be godly, but we're living in a world that is increasingly godless. Now, what I mean by godless is not utterly depraved. People aren't as bad as they could be. Uh, so we're not talking about sacrificing children to the, on the altar of Satan and all this craziness. You know, we're not talking about that level. We're just saying that uh, when I use the word godless, what I mean is that by and large, our culture, it, 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 it operates as if God does not exist. And one of the things that I'm noticing in our culture uh, that is growing increasingly godless is that uh, our culture is also increasing in its hostility towards Christians and Christianity. Uh, the, there's a reason for that. Uh, the godliness in us is a threat to the godlessness in the world. The Christ in us is a threat to the darkness in the world. And so, obviously, they're, they're threatened and they're growing hostile, the godless culture. I've also noticed that the godless culture that we're living in is growing increasingly intolerant towards nonconformity. Uh, so it's not, taking, it's not putting up with people that object to godlessness. Less and less is that happening. And I want to give you a piece of evidence because I know not everybody believes me. Uh, I want to give you a piece of evidence. This is a picture. Yes, okay. Uh, this happened recently in the United Kingdom. Uh, they passed a law uh, where they have these protest-free zones. Now, at the center of these protest-free zones, I'm sure you'll be shocked to learn, are abortion clinics. Okay? And so surrounding these abortion clinics, you're not allowed to protest. Now, they've deemed that prayer is a form of protest, which I find, something, I find that interesting that a godless culture is going to acknowledge that prayer changes things. So, you know, that win, one, win one for Jesus there. So we have this lady who is posted up across the street from one of these abortion clinics. Now, the abortion clinic was closed, and she is praying silently on the street across from the abortion clinic that's closed. Nobody's there. 
Police come up, and they ask her, are you protesting? She says, no, I'm not protesting. Then they ask, are you praying? And she says, I may be silently praying. That was her statement. The police arrested her. Okay? And so they took her in. She's out on bail. Uh, her trial's coming up in February, so you can pray for this lady. Her name is Isabella. Now, if you think that godless tyrants and the council culture mob is going to stop with persecuting sweet ladies that pray silently across from baby-killing factories you think they're going to stop there, then you're sorely mistaken, and you really haven't been paying attention to what's going on in our world. Uh, The truth of the matter is, it is going to be harder and harder for us as Christians to live out of faith. In other words, your faith will soon begin to cost you something. Now, uh, this is uncharted territory for many of us. We grew up in a culture, in a society that was, uh, it preferred it, it, it was biased towards Christianity. I grew up in a culture, we grew up, many of us grew up in a culture that was built on Christian principles and had a bias towards Christian values. I liked that world. I enjoyed the 90s quite a bit. Things have changed a lot, have they not? And, and so many of us were confused about, okay, how do we navigate this world? Because I, I've never really lived in a world that's hostile towards me because I love Jesus and I have Christian values. I, I'm, so I'm confused. Thankfully for all of us, we have a manual. First Peter uh, is written to a group of Christians who are in a very similar situation. Uh, they have become social outcasts in their society, and they've been, become the target of abuse because they are not willing to compromise and comply with the godless culture around them. And they're unwavering in their commitment to Christ. And so the world has beaten them up, taken their homes away. Uh, some of them have been arrested, family members they've lost, Uh, It's just a really difficult situation. Peter writes to encourage them, and the very first thing Peter says to these Christians who are suffering is, you are elect exiles. And so he says to them, in essence, yeah, the world may despise and reject you, but I want you to know from the outset that God loves you and has accepted you. And so you might not be able to find any place in this world. Every place in this world you may go and you feel like you're out of place. You may feel like nobody wants you there, but I want you to know that you have a home in heaven and there is absolutely nothing that anyone can do about it. So he starts with that encouragement. And that leads us to our passage today, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 13. Let's all stand together in honor of the reading of God's word. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you will use me as your instrument, your tool today. Lord, I am a sinful man. And as hard as I try, I still fall short. And I am no better than any person in this room or any person that's watching online. These people do not need anything from me, Lord. They need a word from you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Open our eyes, open our hearts so that we might receive your word and walk in your ways. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment and pray for your church family. Pray for the people in this room.
Pray for the people that may be watching online. I'm sure there's some, some people that are battling sickness. And there also may be somebody random that'll watch, and who knows, they may, they may hear this word of God and their life be forever changed. So pray for them. Pray for our city, our county, our state, our country, and this world. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Take a moment and pray for yourself. Pray a prayer something like this. Father, speak to me. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Therefore, Peter starts off, therefore. Therefore is a connecting word. So Peter, the passage that we're reading today, the passage we're studying today, Peter wants to connect it to what we studied last week. Uh, namely, that in Christ we have a living hope. We have a confidence about the future that can't be killed because our future is secure. Our future is built according to God's mercy, his great mercy, not according to what we deserve. It is established by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, historical event uh, that no one can change. It is kept in heaven for us far above the reach of any threat. It is guarded by God's power. And so your future is secure. And Peter, he says, because your future is secure, you have what he calls a living hope, a living hope, a hope that can't be killed. Now, here's the mistake that a lot of Christians make. They stop with the living hope, okay? Uh, they, they stop with this idea, and they think, well, God wants me to feel good. And God definitely wants you to feel at peace and have joy and hope. He wants you to feel something, but God wants you also not just to feel good, but to do good. In other words, hope isn't the goal. Hope is a means to an end. The living hope, Peter's going to teach us today, the living hope should result in holy living. God gives you his grace so you will turn around and give him glory. So Peter is encouraging these people, God has blessed you tremendously. I know in your life there's difficulties and there's trials and there's tribulations, and it's hard to feel like God has blessed you, but look at the reality of things. Your life has been forever changed. Your destiny is secure. God has blessed you tremendously. Now, I want you to turn around all these blessings, and now I want you to bless God with your life. That's the proper response. The problem for us to do that, the problem for these people to do it, is there are multiple external forces that are discouraging these people from living a holy life. And so there's this call from God, live a godly life, live a holy life, but there's all these challenges in the world that are discouraging them, that are, that are kicking them off the right track. Now remember, Peter is the one who cursed Christ when it mattered most. When Peter was put under any sort of pressure, he caved, he compromised his faith, he denied Christ. Praise Jesus that we serve a God who is full of grace and mercy. Amen? And so... so Peter encounters Jesus again. Jesus completely forgives Peter, and he restores him to a place of, of purpose. And so praise God for that. Uh, but Peter, he went on from this restoration to go and be killed for his faith in Christ. And so he went from denying Christ at one of his low points, and then at the end of his life, he was put in a situation where these Roman officials said, you either deny Christ you recant your faith, or we're going to kill you in one of the most painful ways possible. And Peter refused to deny Christ again. And so Peter, he learned the hard way that as you're following Jesus, you're going to come to these crossroads where you're confronted with a choice. And the choice is this. 
honor Christ and suffer or compromise your faith and take the easy way out. Honor Christ, remain true to your faith, live the holy life that God has called you to live and suffer the negative consequences or go along to get along. Just, hey, be quiet about your faith. Don't do what God's calling you to do and and just enjoy your life. No problems, no pain. From Peter's experience and through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, Peter picked up on three things that when you get to these crossroads are going to trip you up. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And so basically what Peter is communicating is the Holy Spirit is prompting in you a holy life, a godly life. And so it's pulling you towards godliness. But in the world, there's these things of the flesh. There's these things of the world that are trying to trip you up and pull you away from the godly life that God has called you to. The first thing that may trip you up, uh, Peter says, is emotionality. Emotionality. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your mind for action, be sober-minded. Sober-minded. Peter's saying being emotionally driven, is, it, could, it could derail you. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotion. Uh, God actually calls us, he says, that he wants us to love him with all of our heart. But if you are overly emotional, if you allow your emotions to drive your behavior, you will be led astray. Uh, So Peter says here, be sober-minded. What's the opposite of sober? Somebody said it. What's the opposite of sober? Drunk. Drunk. Okay. Uh, And so Peter says, don't be drunk-minded. Be sober-minded. Have you heard the phrase, uh, love and drunk? Have you ever heard of that? Drunk and love? Drunk and love? You ever heard that? People sometimes get drunk and love. I'm going to quote to you a country song. Okay, I got my cowboy boots on. You're as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. Anybody familiar with this song? You're as sweet as strawberry wine. You're as warm as a glass of brandy. And honey, I stay stoned on your love all the time. Chris Stapleton is drunk in love, okay? And our world loves that. Our world celebrates drunk in love, goes to the chop of the charts, because this is what our world says to us. Follow your heart. Isn't that what the world says? Follow your heart. Here's the problem with following your heart. Two songs later, Chris Stapleton again. She took down the photograph of our wedding day, ripped it down the middle and threw my half away, and I got nobody to blame but me. No. Yeah, that's what you were like. He says, I got nobody to blame but me. And so the Bible and country music both discouraging us from being emotionally Driven. Why? Because the Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is deceitful above all things. And so if you follow your feelings, then you're going to be led astray. Think of the greatest regret in your life. When you have the greatest regret in your life, just put your thumb up so I know you're, track, you're tracking with me. I won't make you admit it or confess it in front of you. Just let me know. How many of you, your, your greatest regret in life was emotionally driven? Just testify this morning. Most of us, right? It's emotionally driven. What's that tell you? Peter says, don't be emotionally drunk. Don't be lust drunk. Don't be love drunk. Don't be anger drunk. Don't be sad drunk. Don't be covetous drunk. Don't be jealous drunk. Be sober-minded. Sober-minded. As Christians, Peter says, that we should put our minds, prepare our minds for action. 
Now, that may surprise, it may surprise some of you to hear that in order to live a godly life, you need to be guided by reason. That may surprise some of you because many of you have bought the lie that in order to have faith, you got to put your mind in the back burner and you just got to throw your mind and your reason away. But I'm here to tell you today that we don't have faith in faith. Uh, We don't put our hope in hope. Our hope is built, our faith is built on on physical evidence and historical event. Let me prove it to you. You see, I look around and I see a world that is perfectly ordered. It is full of beauty. I see a world that is self-regenerate. I see a world that everything seems to fit together. I see a world and every part of this, beautiful, this beautifully ordered world that we're living in, it points to the fact that there is a creator. Amen? Every, I see a miracle after a miracle every single day. You watch a sunrise and you can't help but see the beauty and the glory of God in it. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And so there's physical evidence all around us. And then I look at history, and I see that history was, was trending down this direction. And then about 2,000 years ago, a little baby was born in a town that we can't even find on a map today to a teenage mom and a working-class dad, never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown, never did anything generally associated with greatness, and yet we mark our days by that man's birth. You know what that tells me? Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And then I look around and I see a room full of people that have encountered this Jesus Christ and it has radically changed their life. And the thing that they point to as a catalyst was their encounter with Jesus. All of this points to the fact our faith is not in faith. Our hope is not in hope. Our hope is in a real God and a real Savior. Amen? And so this is what we do. We've got to measure every moment, and we've got to make every decision in light of the reality that there is a God who is a good God, and he has a beautiful plan for all of human history. And we've got to make every decision. We've got to mark every moment in light of the fact that there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is actively working through the Holy Spirit to make all things new and make all things right. And so you don't have to get all emotional. Yes, life is emotion. There is emotion, but don't be driven by your emotion. Otherwise, you're going to fire up the old hot rod and run it into the pond, put sugar in the John Deere so he can't even mow the lawn. That's what you're going to do. You follow your emotions, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up about 700 pounds overweight. You're going to end up $100,000 in debt. You're going to end up divorced. If you follow your emotions, don't be emotionally driven. That's what the devil wants. Just think about it. Think about some of the people in your life that you know hate God. You know what they would love to see in your life? They would love to see you have an emotional outburst on Main Street and cussing people out. They would love that. You know why? Because it discredits your emotionally driven behavior, discredits your God. Don't do it. Instead, instead, this is what we do. We trust God's word. When you're confused and you don't know what to do, open God's word. Pray to a God who is there. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through his word. Ask for godly counsel and then make a reasonable, rational, righteous decision. That's what God's called us to. Peter says, hey, don't be emotionally driven. Prepare your mind for action. 
He goes on, the next trip hazard, when we get to this crossroads of holiness, Holy Spirit pulling us towards godliness, the things of the world are trying to trip us up. Here's the other thing that may trip you up is conformity. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, uh, at my house, we sometimes have some battles. We sometimes have some battles. I'm sure your house is not like this at all. But, you know, my daughters, they come to me and they want a smartphone with unlimited internet access and they want all the social media apps. They want all those things and they want to watch these TikTok dances and learn these crazy dances. And, uh, you know, there's certain shows they want to watch and there's certain types of clothes that they want to wear. And I put my foot down on a lot of the stuff and I say, no, I'm not having it. And then they want to argue with me and this is their argument. I'm sure none of y'all have ever heard this before. But dad, everyone else is doing it. Anybody else ever hear that in their house? Okay. And so this is what I say to my kids. I say, I don't know who everyone else is, but I'm not their dad. Okay. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So here's the thing. Jesus said, broad is the road and easy the way that leads to destruction and many will find it. Friends, if you are following the crowd, chances are you're headed in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter if if this behavior, this decision, this lifestyle is culturally acceptable. You know that uh, pornography and OnlyFans is uh, is culturally acceptable? You know that? OnlyFans is a legitimate side hustle in the world we live in. You know what God calls those things? Perversion. You know what God calls those things? Adultery. In our culture, roasting somebody on social media will get you a lot of likes. It'll get you a lot of followers. But you know what the Bible says? Those who are slanderers, those who live a lifestyle of slander, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if it's legal. A lot of people say, well, it can't be wrong because it's legal. Lying is legal. Cheating on your spouse is legal. Uh, Being greedy is legal. There's a lot of things that are legal, but you stand before God his judgment seat, and it's a punishable offense. And so it is ignorant, Peter says, it is ignorant to forsake the way of God and walk in the ways of the world. Jesus said, if the world loves you, if you're big buddies with the world, there's a reason. It's because you're just like them. I don't want my kids to be cool. I don't want them to be. I I could care less if they're cool or popular or not. I want my kids to love and follow Jesus forever and ever. That's my primary ambition for my kids. And so being a born-again Christian, being a Bible-believing Christian, being a Jesus-loving Christian in this day is going to get you a lot of labels. You're going to get labeled a radical, a fundamentalist, a, a bigoted, stupid, hateful, strange. I could go on and on and on. You know what one of those labels isn't? Cool. God has not called you to be respected by the godless world that we're living in. God has called you to be holy. He's called you to be holy. What is holy? Holy is like God. Holy is living life on a higher plane. Holy is not allowing yourself to be corrupted by the sinful world that we're living in. Set apart. And so Peter says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Instead, be obedient to the commands of of the Father. You will be ridiculed. You will be blacklisted. You might get unfriended. You may lose opportunities. 
One day you may lose access to resources. It's happening in other parts of the world even now. You may lose your possessions. You may lose your freedom. You may even lose your life one of these days. But don't be afraid of what man can do to you because you do not conform. Instead, be afraid of what the Lord may do if you do not obey. Look at the next verse, verse 17. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Friends, you are just passing through this whole world. This is not your home. This is not eternity. It's all temporary. Uh, High school only lasts for four years. And who was cool in high school does not matter a lick when you're 40 years old. Amen? Okay. Now, in the same way, what is cool what is pleasurable, what is enjoyable, what, what is culturally acceptable in this old world does not matter in eternity. It does not matter. One day you will stand before a holy God, and he will not be deceived. He will not be mocked. He will not care how many followers you got on social media. He will not, he will not care how well you've done on LinkedIn. He won't care about any of that stuff. He will judge you impartially according to your deeds. Those who reject Christ in this world, they should fear the judgment of God and the eternal torment of the fires of hell. They should fear that. Praise the Lord that those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ do not have any fear of condemnation. Praise God that we've been forgiven of our sins and we will be rewarded on judgment day. Praise God for that. But as a Christian, I still have a fear and you should too. I have a fear of disappointing my heavenly father because he has done so much for me. And he has done so much for me, I could never, ever repay him, not in a million years, not even in eternity. He's done more for me than I will ever deserve. And I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to let him down. And so don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus Christ. Don't conform to the godless world. Obey your perfect heavenly father. Verse 18, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish blemish or spot. Stumbling block number three, when you get to this crossroads of holiness and the Holy Spirit's pulling you into a godly life, the world is trying to trip you up. Here's the thing that may trip you up, family ties. Peter says it this way, the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. This was a major challenge for first century Christians because in order to worship Jesus, it required these new Christians to forsake their old religious traditions. And those religious traditions were just inseparably intertwined with their familiar, their, their, their family relationships. And so to deny, to forsake religious traditions, in a lot of ways, the family took it as them forsaking the family. And so many of these Christians, we see evidence of it all throughout the New Testament, where uh, these families would use guilt and shame and even sometimes bribery to dissuade people from following Christ. And so we can assume of Peter's audience that many of these Christians had been disowned and disinherited from their family because of their faith in Christ. Now, is this kind of thing still happening today? Just imagine how difficult it may be for someone who grew up Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or Muslim to forsake and abandon the faith of their family to follow Christ. Just imagine how difficult that is. 
For many of you, you've experienced the difficulty of forsaking a generational style of life, uh, the, the way that your family's always done things, the kind of home that you grew up in that was corrupted by sin and guilt and shame. It's hard for people to forsake and abandon and throw off the burdens and the shackles of that kind of a family tree and walk in the newness of life that Christ provides. Can I quote another country song for you? I got my cowboy boots on, so I'm feeling it, okay? They asked Hank William Jr., why do you drink? Why do you smoke? Why do you live out all the songs that you wrote? What was his response? It's a family tradition, right? Many of us, you know that firsthand. You became a Christian, and you had all, these, all of these influences in your life that you love, right? And you're connected to, and you have a relationship with, and they do things the godless way. And now you're doing things, you're trying to do things the godly way, but they keep pulling you back in. You got friends, and they keep pulling you back in. I had a friend. When I was in high school, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 16 years old, and so I had a friend at the time that I was baptized. And he knew me before I was walking with Christ. And then he knew me after I was walking with Christ. And we were really good buds, but he got aggravated with me. And he came to me, he said, Jeff, you've changed. You've changed, I don't even know you anymore. You don't hardly wanna hang out. And when you do hang out, you don't wanna do any of the fun stuff like we used to do. All you wanna do is go to church. All you wanna do is be with the church people. Do you think you're too good for me? Now, in that moment, I was convicted. I, it wasn't conviction. It was guilt from the enemy. Because that's what the enemy does. He, he wants to confuse you and use the loyalties that you have towards friends and family to pull you back into a life of sin. And so this is what I told my friend. I said, I love you, bud, but I have changed. The old Jeff is, is, is dead. I died with Christ. And so I'm not the same. And I love you. I'm always going to love you. I care about you. And you are always welcome to walk with me into church, but I cannot walk with you into sin. I can't do it. Friends, Jesus shed his, his precious blood to ransom you from the sin some people from your past are trying to keep you in. The spotless lamb without any imperfections came to free you from those feudal family traditions. Yes, Family and friends are very important. They are very important. But your primary allegiance should be to Jesus Christ. Praise God for loving and generous families. Praise God. But even the best friends, they'll let you down, won't they? Even the wisest parents can lead you astray. Even the wealthiest families will run out of patience, time, and money. But Jesus Christ will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. No one has sacrificed more to have a relationship with you than Jesus Christ. He has loved you more when you deserved it the least. No one else was at the foundation of the world. No one else defeated death, hell, and the grave on your behalf. No one has done for you what Jesus Christ. And so if you need to be loyal to anybody, you be loyal to Jesus. No one else is worthy of your honor, glory, and praise and affection than Jesus Christ. Paul, he sums all of this up in two very powerful verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, in, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I was putting this, this message together, I, I kept this guy, kept popping into my, my mind, this guy named Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz was the pastor of a big church in New York City called Hillsong Church, New York City. Big smile, uh, infectious personality, feel-good messages. I mean, this guy could just preach the paint off the wall, you know. Uh, trendy look. They called him the cool pastor. Some people called him the hot pastor, which is kind of cringe to me, but, you know, people are weird. Kevin Durant went to this guy's church. Uh, he, he, there's pictures of him going to parties with Justin Bieber. And so people looked at this guy and they think, man, this guy, this is exactly what Christianity needs right here. We need a guy that can relate to all the kids. We need a hip. We need a cool. We need a trendy. We need a hot pastor who can go out to New York City. It's going to be a revival in New York City. Christianity is going to go mainstream. Now, finally, everybody's going to respect us. It turns out Carl Lentz had mass appeal, but he lacked Christian character. He was cheating on his wife. He was mismanaging the funds of the church, and he got fired from his position. The mega church totally fell apart. Now, I want you to think of how many people he hurt by following his emotions, allowing himself to be conformed to the image of this world instead of the image of Christ. Think of how much damage he has done to the kingdom of God because he was more worldly than he was godly. Just think of that. Now, there was an atheist journalist who wrote a write-up on this whole event. And I want to read to you the last paragraph. I think is eye-opening. This guy says, I'm not religious, so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. That sadly appears to have been true of Lentz and his celebrity acquaintances. Friends, to compromise on your faith is to dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ and to do a disservice to the lost and dying world. Our world doesn't need cool Christians. Our world doesn't need Christians that the godless world can relate to. Our world needs holy people created in the image of God. We are called to reflect heaven to this whole world. And unless we do it, the world is going to continue down this godless path. And so please, friends, don't let your emotions, don't let the fear of men don't let the comfort of familiarity keep you from living the holy life Jesus lived, died, and rose to give you. Make the reasonable, the rational decision today. Resolve yourself. I'm going to be obedient to my Father in heaven. I'm going to be loyal to Jesus Christ. I'm going to do the right things according to God's word regardless, even if all the wrong things are happening. I'm going to maintain my faith and my holiness. It's important to the glory of God and for the good of this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word today, Holy Spirit, that you'll use it as a sword to cut to the depths of each and every one of us, that we might be convicted of the places that we're falling short 
of your glory. Lord, we, we're grateful that you have freed us from the penalty of sin. More and more, Lord, free us from the power of sin. Not to earn our place in heaven. We can't do that. We want to be freed from the power of sin so more and more we can live a life that you've called us to live. So more and more we can reflect the image, Lord, that you've given us of your goodness and your glory to this world that so desperately needs to see that you are good. So desperately needs to see that you are right, that you are true, that you are worthy. And so, Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation, a song of prayer. If you're here today and you're carrying any sort of burden whatsoever, please come and kneel at this altar. Let one of our prayer warriors pray over you. If you're here today and you feel far from Christ, maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're without hope in this world. That's the truth of the matter. Uh, You're on your own, and you're going to have to figure this thing out by yourself. The truth of the matter is this world is lying to you every time you swipe up on that uh, phone of yours, every, every bit of information that's being interjected into you is a lie from the pit of hell. And you're not going to figure this out without Jesus. And so I would encourage you, please come and talk to me if you're far from Christ so I can tell you about your next steps and pray with you. As we sing this song, come. <laughs>